He said, everything that we do is a learning process. Everything we do is a stepping stone to something else and to not be afraid to fail. Because what people don't see, people don't see the hundreds of failures that we have before the big success. Welcome to The Five Show, where you get a behind-the-scenes look into financial independence. Here's your host, Cody and Justin. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Five Show. Today, we have on Brooke Packard, who is actually a lifelong friend of mine, known her about 15 years. She is a real estate investor, a high school teacher, a serial entrepreneur. She's tried so many different things. But before we get into the episode, let me check in with my co-host, Justin. What is going on, man? Hey, Cody. Yep, I'm down here in Los Angeles for weekend two of two. So we're heading back here uh, just tomorrow, actually going back to Austin. But this past weekend, we were just kind of hanging out, doing some hikes. We did the Griffith Observatory, if you're familiar with the area. We did a Palos Verdes, which is a really cool kind of hike around some cliffs for a, a sunset, which was really nice. But and just mostly relaxing, not doing anything too crazy. We're just house sitting for a little Frenchie pup again. And um just enjoying the awesome weather that is Los Angeles. How about yourself, Cody? My man, Hugo. Love that little dog. <laughs> but I had a weekend over in the Cape. So one of Lauren's good friends has a house over in Dennis. So we spent the whole weekend there. It was her birthday, not Lauren, her friend Serena. We went to a couple of the local beachy bars. It was a ton of fun. Haven't been to the Cape in a while. So it was nice to get out there, enjoy the waves, enjoy the sand, and enjoy some good weather and some good company. But that's enough about our personal updates. Justin, let's take a quick moment for our partner. Keeping track of your net worth is one of the most important things you can do on your journey to financial independence. If you don't have an idea of what your net worth is, there's no way that you can keep your quote unquote score. One of our favorite tools to keep this score is called Personal Capital. If you haven't already started using it, it's an online software that basically compiles all of your data, it crunches all your assets, all your liabilities, and spits out a net worth number and allows you to track it day by day, month by month. Yeah, Cody, one of the big things that hold people back when they're doing activities like tracking their expenses or tracking their net worth is just they look at it as a big burden. And this allows you to go in with one username and one password and access as many financial accounts as you have. These can be loans, these can be 401ks, these can be HSAs, bank accounts, credit cards. They're all linked there. The other thing I really like about personal capital is it's very investing focused. So you can go in there and look at your allocation across your entire portfolio. So you don't just look at your allocation in one type of account, but your allocation as a person completely. And if you want to use the same tool that me and Cody use to track our net worth, which is completely free, you can do so at thefyshow.com slash PC. That's thefyshow.com slash PC. So as we mentioned today, we have on Brooke Packard. It's obvious to see why Brooke and Cody get along, both those kind of serial entrepreneurs. And I thought it was just inspiring how much Brooke had going on and how dedicated she was to it, how rigorous she was with it. You know, you could see in the video in the background, you could see the goals and they're broken down into different categories and she would say things like, you know, if I'm sitting at home not doing something, like I know something is wrong. And, you know, I think it's important when you listen to an episode like this that you think about your personality type versus, you know, whoever is on the episode that week's personality type. And don't get too intimidated. Like not everyone is wired this way. Not everyone should, you know, be doing something all hours of the day, always like kind of hustling for that next thing. But she's bouncing a ton. I mean, between her physical product businesses, all her entrepreneurial stuff, and then being a full-time teacher, even dabbling in crypto. Like, I mean, she's just doing everything. So 
it was definitely an inspiring episode to show, I guess, like how much you can accomplish if you are that rigorous and that focused. Well, you are 100% right, Justin. We definitely get along super well. We are both really entrepreneurial, and it was really exciting for me to get to kind of dig into some of her background and learn some things I didn't even know about her. And if you enjoyed this episode as much as we did, you can get a quick summary and all the links mentioned in the episode at our show notes at thefiveshow.com slash brook. That's thefiveshow.com slash B-R-O-O-K-E, brook. And with that, take it away, Brooke. I come from a family of educators. My dad is a principal, my mom is a teacher, and ever since I was a little girl, I was like, I'm going to follow in their footsteps. And you could even ask my mom this and she can confirm, but when I was little, she used to come in to check on me at night and I would be just laying in bed awake and she'd be like, what are you doing up? I'm thinking about ways to make money. (laughs) (laughs) So it started way, way earlier. And I used to think I was going to be a teacher for my entire life. I was thinking I was going to retire with a pension at 80% when I was done teaching. But throughout the years, that has drastically, drastically changed. So you talked about how even just like as a little kid, you're sitting there and you're talking about, oh, how to ways to make money. But as far as like being an entrepreneur, like that just takes a little bit of, you know, risk tolerance. It's a little scary. So like, tell me through the first time you were considering doing something entrepreneurial and like what helped you get over those fears? So like I said, I was going to school to be a teacher, thinking that was all that I was going to be. And I played college basketball as well. And my schedule was pretty tight, but I always liked making money. So I began to clean a few houses on the side. And I still remember this distinctly. My friends, my teammates, they would be like, Brooke, that is so disgusting. You're cleaning toilets and cleaning floors and kitchens. Like you should open a winery because you enjoy drinking wine and talking to people. But I didn't let that stop me. I was just cleaning on the side, making good money. It was flexible. I scheduled it around when I wanted good money. And when I graduated, I was like, I can't give this up to go become a teacher. So I hired my first employee. And from there, we have grown exponentially. We have 13 employees who I credit all of the success to. I couldn't do anything without them. You know, you can only get so far with one person, but as an entire team, you can do incredible things. We clean residential houses, we clean commercial buildings, we clean a wedding venue, uh, we clean schools. It's insane. So just going from making maybe $80 a cleaning here and there to last month profiting or taking in 16000 in a month is just absolutely incredible. And the sky is the limit for that. And it's not easy by any means. Like people reach out all the time asking for quotes. And I remember this wedding venue reached out and we clean before and after all of their weddings. And she sent me, the owner sent me their schedule and I was looking at this and I'm like, holy moly, we're going to have to clean sometimes six times between Friday and Sunday when they're doing Friday weddings, Saturday weddings and Sunday weddings. And I was like, how are we going to do this? But instead of letting the fear of trying to figure it out right then and there come in, I was like, you know what, we're going to figure it out. And I took it on and we did it. So we grew from being a one-person team to being a 13-member team, and we're just absolutely crushing the cleaning business across Massachusetts and Connecticut. Love it. And I know that I've just seen the growth of your company. It's been pretty amazing. I think, honestly, 
this is one of the biggest struggles that I see with most entrepreneurs is like, and most people, they know how to, if they have a skill, they know how to go and do that thing, whether it's a plumber, an electrician, a cleaning business, a cleaner, you know how to kind of put in the blue collar work, but getting to that next level, getting to the gray collar and eventually like a white collar and owning a business. I'm curious how you made that first hire. Like, did you, were you posting on Indeed? Were you looking for friends? Because I really think that is one of the biggest hurdles where people are, can't get to that next level of entrepreneurship because they don't know how to build a system and how to get people under them to work for them and you know follow their mission. Oh my gosh. My first person that I hired, it was horrible. I was <laughs> not insured. It was literally just the beginning. And I found this person on Indeed, which I still use today. And she was cleaning this house. And this client could have been crazy. It could have happened if I was cleaning the house or not. However, my first ever employee was um, accused of stealing a diamond necklace. And I was like, oh crap, I am not insured. This is absolutely horrible. And of course, I take the side of my employee, but I wasn't insured at that time. So I ended up having to shell out a certain amount of money for the necklace, put it in their mailbox, lost that <laughs> lost that customer, and I had to let that employee go. And who knows if she did take it and who knows if this lady was just absolutely crazy and wanted easy money. So I could have given up right there, but I didn't. And I kept pushing and pushing. And now my team is absolutely incredible. I have some ladies who have been with me for a since the beginning, since the beginning, and my first client ever is still with us as well. But for the cleaning business itself, I mean, overall, it's mostly passive income. Don't get me wrong, I do step in here and there and help clean and I enjoy it. I give credit to my ladies who do it on a daily basis. Um, but it is passive income. I do scheduling from the cleaner's point of view and scheduling from the client's point of view. But other than that, I'm pretty much sitting back. I'll be at school and I'll look at my Venmo and see $1,000 that day or $2,000 that day. When I'm sitting, making another stream of income. So it's a pretty good gig. So you mentioned one of those things there, which is like you started out, you didn't even have insurance and kind of breaking down like what are those things that people need to keep in mind that maybe they're overlooking. They'll listen to an episode like this. They'll get all excited. They'll go out and start to try to do something like this. But maybe they're skipping over some of the necessary groundwork as far as, you know, whether it be insurance or taxes or, or whatever it is. Like, I'm just curious what you think there. Yeah. So when you start a business, you want to have all of your ducks in a row. And I didn't, um, but you want to have all your ducks in a row. You want to get an LLC, a limited liability company, or you don't want anything associated with your name. If something bad happens to the company, you don't want them to come after you and your assets. So you need to divide that. I would say get an LLC, get a good accountant, get a good lawyer, and just make sure, oh, insurance, you need insurance in case anything happens. To this day, knock on wood, I haven't had any issues, but you never know, things could break, but you wanna have all of your ducks in a row to conduct a good business. So you started this at 19, right? So you're a sophomore in college, I'm guessing at that point? Yep, sophomore in college. And so when did the next little entrepreneurial stint happen? Or I'm sure you're thinking of ideas during this whole period since you're, you know, you're probably laying in your dorm room. <laughs> so how do I make more money? How do I make more money? But I'm curious because, I mean, you've had a bunch of businesses and whether they've succeeded, failed or anywhere in between, I'm just curious about what the succession of BP's Easy Living was. Oh my gosh. So the next one that came after my cleaning business was actually real estate. And how this all played out is it's all intertwined. I went to my boss's house to give a quote, my boss now for real estate, to give a quote for cleaning. And as I was taking over around their house, like saying how much each room would be, what we do, they're like, do you have any interest in real estate? And I said, oh, I haven't 
thought about it. And right then and there, they gave me their spiel. They had me hooked. And then within six months, I had my real estate license and went from there. And let me tell you, it's not as easy as it sounds. The real estate test, even though I'm a teacher, (laughs) it took me quite some time, but it is so worth it. I help people buy and sell their houses. I help investors just like Cody buy and sell and people like Cody inspire me. And my fiance and I just last week closed on our first investment property. And I wanted to dive a little bit into that just to show how real real estate investing is money-wise and how the numbers, they can just work. So bear with me on this one. Our first property ever was an off-market deal, which I'll explain how I got with a little story, but it was an off-market deal and we bought it at 212. And anybody who knows the market right now knows that's pretty low for a duplex, two beds, one and a half bath per unit. And we are going to be putting about $10,000 into the renovations. We're gutting one whole side right now. We're ripping up floors. It's horrible, but we're getting that all done. Our rents for that are going to be about $2,300 a month. Our mortgage taxes insurance is about $1,100. So when you subtract that, we're making $1,200 a month times that by $12, $15,000 a year. Multiply that by five more properties, you're at $75,000 a year. Multiply that by 10 more properties, you're $150,000 a year. And that is our plan on how to retire by 30. But we're not going to stop there. So we just got another property under contract, which this one is insane. I was going to be the listing agent for this condo in the community that I live in. And he wanted me to go walk the property. I took my fiance with me, who's also a realtor, my best friend. We do it together. And we decided to put an offer in on this property, super low ball, $100,000 for this condo. No way he's going to take it. He took it. <laughs> and we are going to put about 15000 into it. And the comps are around two fifteen. So right there, hundred k put it back into real estate and just the money recycles. If you do it right, the money recycles. So you mentioned that you had a little story about how you got that first property off market and then thinking about the second property, you know, why would this guy take the deal that was such a low ball for being interested to hear those two things? So that leads into people who have inspired me to be bigger, do better. And this one man, I'll keep him anonymous, but I was the seller's agent. No, I was the buyer's agent on a deal. And this guy was actually the seller. He was an older man and we laugh about this now, but he would text me and call me all the time. And being, you know, our generation, we're like, what does this dude want? Sugar daddy, like what is going on? <laughs> like totally random conversations. And one night he asked me for dinner and I'm like, it's my fiance, should I go? This is kind of weird. And going was the best decision of my life. I went, I had dinner with him and we talked about my goals, what I was looking for. And anybody who watches like Flip or Flop, Flipping 101 with Tarek El Moussa, you see all of these numbers and you're saying, how do people get started in this? Because it takes, you would think it takes money to make money. And I went back to that first episode in Flip or Flop with Tarek El Moussa and he had a hard money lender. He had somebody lend him money. It wasn't his own at all to then begin to build his business. So I went into this conversation, this dinner in the back of my mind thinking, I need a hard money lender to get started. And we were having conversations 
And I told him this and he said, Brooke, I'm a hard money lender. And I'm like, what? <laughs> um, I'm put here right now in front of a hard money lender. That was not my intentions coming in. And we have just built this amazing connection with each other. And I'm able to go to him for everything. And he was the one, he owned our first property that we closed. And he knew we wanted to get started. He knew we were two young people looking to grow. So he gave us a deal. And that is how we found our first. It sounds like a lot of your success stems from, one, being able to negotiate, talk to people. And I mean, this is in real estate and also in the cleaning business. Like you need to be an operator. You need to sign contracts. You need to get your people there. I'm curious how much of that is learned. And obviously, you're probably pretty good at this being a teacher dealing with seventh graders all day versus just an innate ability. Have you deliberately gone and learned art of negotiation, communicating with people, networking, or is that something that's just kind of always been an ability of yours? Well, there are two things I can go off of this for. So one is another person who inspires me. He's a mentor, but he doesn't know he's a mentor. He's somebody who is extremely close to me, who is just absolutely crushing life. And I am seeing his success and how he's continuing to build. And I'm saying to myself, you know what? If this dude so close to me can be growing this, growing exponentially, so can I. So I'm watching, I'm sitting back and learning from somebody who doesn't even necessarily know the impact this person's making in my life every day. And then also going off of that, my parents. I have learned it from my parents. They have taught me right from wrong. And there's this one story that really hits home with me and it will when my dad hears it as well. But my dad, he's a principal and he was going for a superintendent job just a few months ago and everything is live for superintendents. And he made it down to the final two and he was just killing it, crushing it. His answers were amazing. His confidence is booming. And it was the last day. And all of my family went to my mom's house, my mom and dad's house, and he was there. We were watching it live. We had champagne. We were ready to party. When he came home, he was going to get it. And he didn't get it. And it took us all for a huge shock because we thought he had everything lined up. But we were like, do we leave? Do we leave or do we wait for him to come home? Because I was angry. I was pissed. I'm like, this man deserved it. And when he came home, how he conducted himself, I will absolutely never forget. Instead of being mad, angry, playing the blame game, just overall upset, he said, everything that we do is a learning process. Everything we do is a stepping stone to something else. And to not be afraid to fail. Because what people don't see, people don't see the hundreds of failures that we have before the big success. And whatever that may be, when one door closes right in front of your face, something great is right around the corner. I mean, you talk about these kind of mental traps that people fall into where they look at like a failure and they they sit in it versus looking at it as a, a learning opportunity. Another kind of mental trap people fall into is just not having enough time to do things. But there's so many things that you're doing seemingly all at once. And, and I know you mentioned you've gotten some things to kind of a passive point. But I'm curious, like how these things started to stack, right? So if you did the cleaning business and then you started real estate, at what point in this journey were you already teaching? And like, how did you manage this from a time management perspective? 
Oh gosh. Well, I tell myself that everybody has the same 24 hours in a day and I'm on summer break right now. So uh, my 24 hours are a little bit more flexible than they would be through the regular school year. But I'm up at 4.30 every single day, except right now because it's summer, but I'm up at 4.30 every single day. All of my time is blocked off and I wake up, I go to the gym or I answer emails before I go to the gym. I go to the gym, get my sweat on, get my head in the right place, eat breakfast, go to work, do real estate, do cleaning business stuff when I get home, whatever else I need, go to bed, do it over again. Everything is extremely structured. There's no minute put to waste. If I'm sitting down doing nothing, there's a problem. I'm losing money. There's money to be made every minute. But teaching, teaching is much more of a intrinsic reward. I love children. I love education. The district that I'm working in is incredible. From the administration to my coworkers, every day that I leave, I'm laughing. Well, 99% of the time, I'm laughing. I work with great people. The kids are great. And there's something about helping shape children into becoming who they're supposed to be. So I teach English. And yes, we read books. We teach figurative language and parts of speech. But I also try to incorporate real life things that they're going to take with them when they leave my classroom. So we do a lot of public speaking. We learn how to write emails. We learn that, or I teach that the power is within every one of them. And that's what makes them different. What makes them different is going to be their selling point in life. So I try to take all of the different things that I do with my life into the classroom and teach them that there's not one way to do things. There are multiple ways to do things. But something that makes me not so happy about the whole education system in itself is that no matter how hard you work as a teacher on our side of things, there's a cap on how much money you make. And that is where in my head, I was like, I can't just settle being a teacher because I could work my tail off and I'm only making X this year, X next year. So that is when I decided that, you know what, it's, I'm not going to retire at 65 being a teacher with a 80% pension. I need to do more. And so does that mean that teaching is getting the ax or does that mean that you're going to just continue to focus on building these other businesses or maybe a combination? (laughs) At the moment, I am able to do everything still. So at the moment, I am still going to be teaching. I am still going to run everything in my life forever. No. People ask me all the time, what is your why? Why are you doing all of this? Because you need to live too, which I always try to put into balance. It's can't just be making a life you need to live. And my why, my why is my future. My why is time. After I get married in June, I want to have a huge family. I want to pop out those kids. And I I don't want to be able to miss anything. I don't want to miss a minute of it. And I never want to have to worry about money. So that is my why. And that's where I'm going. So when we were just talking about some of the teaching stuff, I'm curious, as an educator, you're teaching English. How do you feel about the way that as our school systems are kind of set up that we don't focus a ton on things like entrepreneurship, personal finance? Like, is there a way that you see that we could fix things or does it, the onus just kind of fall on the parents when they get home? I think the fact that we're based so much around standardized testing, that hurts everybody because not everybody learns the same way. 
I am the worst test taker. It took me five times to pass my teaching test. It took me, <laughs> full disclosure, about 10 times to pass my real estate test. It's, testing's not for everybody and everybody learns differently. So I think that is the main problem in today's education system. So even if you're not good at test taking though, Brooke, I mean, you are, you don't take no as an answer. It seems like you definitely have taken your dad's lessons and you use failure as a stepping stone. And we actually had a professional tennis player on a couple of weeks ago on episode 130, Jennifer Magley. And she talked about like how having sports in the household and up through her mid to late twenties kind of shaped how she did business, how she communicated with people. I'm curious, you know, you played college basketball, you played sports throughout your whole life. We played knockout in the basketball court together when we were 10 years old. How has that shaped, whether it's a competitive edge, whether it's, you know, getting back up after you fall down, whether it's just beating other people in general and kind of wanting to get to that next rung? How have sports kind of shaped your business life, motivation, mindset? I would say I am extremely competitive. Back to our (laughs) knockout days with Cody, which I beat him. Don't let him tell you differently. (laughs) Just kidding. But I am extremely competitive. I don't settle. Like Cody said, I don't take no for an answer. If it's no, why? Like you, you have to know why. I'm not content with anything, which I'm finding as an an issue. Like I get to one point, I reach a goal. Like behind me, I have my 2021 goals that Cody pointed out earlier. Um, I reached my goal and it's what's next. It's not let's celebrate, it's what's next. And I think a lot of that was through sports growing up and being in a sports family, playing college basketball. It's competitive. In real estate, when I first started, I would see on our real estate pages, top agents producing 15 million this year, 16 million, 30 million. And at first I was just like, oh, that's so cool. But now I'm at a point where I'm like, I want my name up there. Like, what can I do? So it's just about not settling and knowing that you haven't hit your full potential yet and going from there. So tying a couple of things that you've mentioned together, because I always love trying to figure out where people see themselves from a mindset perspective. You talked about how you would, you're ready to build that family, like to set up a life where you can step away from the business and build that family, invest your time into them. But then you also talk about, you know, it's hard for you to be content. So do you have a fear that as you do that, as you step in that phase of your life where you're building out that family, that you can't stay away from the business, that you can't be content and that it's going to be hard to to just only focus on the family and and not find yourself going back out into creating some businesses. That is a fantastic question. And I go back and forth with this all of the time. I want to be a stay home mother. (laughs) I want to, no one's raising my kids except my husband and myself and my mom and my mother-in-law, but it's going to be hard because I'm so, I can't sit, but Building all of these strands of passive income and still having my hand in it, I'll be able to continue to do what I can do. But with real estate, I'm excited. I'm like, I'm going to have my little baby in the car seat and I'm going to go show Cody these properties. (laughs) So I'm going to try to find new ways of business that my family can be incorporated into, but not have to. That's the thing. I don't want to have to go to work every day. I don't want to have to have a boss. (laughs) I want to be the boss. I want to run the show. And I want to be able to do that while building a family. And my fiance is the best with that. He supports me with everything. What we do, we do it together. We're trying to build a life that we want, nothing that we settled for. 
So you mentioned at the beginning of the episode, retired by 30, which is in five years from now, Brooke. What types of, and obviously could definitely change, but what types of revenue streams are you imagining at 30? Like what percentage is going to be real estate versus the cleaning business versus some other company that you're starting versus consulting? Who knows what you're going to be doing at that time? I'm wondering if you kind of have a vision of what that's going to look like. Oh gosh. Uh, to say I have it all planned out, I don't because my mind changes all of the time. To think today that I'm a landlord is crazy. Who wants to be a landlord and have tenants? But it just, I roll with the punches and I adapt as it goes. And I think that's would be my advice to anybody starting out. You, you just jump at all new opportunities that come your way. But to be retired by 30 in the way my fiance and I, we sat down one night over a bottle of wine and we did plan it out and we keep it on our fridge. And I look at it all the time because I'm like, this is, this is it. We're going to follow this and whatever elements come in as well. But it's going to be mainly with real estate because the money is there, the numbers work. My cleaning business, I have no doubt that it's going to keep expanding and exploding. And one day, way down the line, I would love to sell it for an absurd amount of money (laughs) and put it all back into real estate. (laughs) But our goal to be able to retire by 30 is to have 40 properties. Doors or properties? Doors, 40 doors. And that will substantially replace what I'm making teaching and what my fiance is making being a project manager. And we just want, we want to be able to enjoy life, be able to travel and still be able to work from our phones, still be able to look at our Venmo, PayPal, Cash App and be like, I am making money while sitting in Hawaii or where, <laughs> wherever we are. You mentioned that like you couldn't have seen yourself being a landlord. Like if you were to ask yourself that a few years ago, like, you know, you would have never imagined that. So it's maybe it's hard for you to think about exactly what your income streams are going to be when you get ready to retire. But maybe there were some things that you thought you would be doing now that you aren't doing. I know you mentioned some other business that you did that we haven't talked as much about, like a physical product that you got into. I don't know if you could talk a little bit about that. So I started a company a little less than a year ago, and it's called Trifecta Protection. And it is a safety device that has a knife, repellent spray, and an alarm all in one. And nothing, there is not one other product on the market that has all of these three things. And I went into this with a full head of steam, poured thousands of dollars into this. And this is the side that people don't always see because, you know, social media, we build everything up to be fantastic. We're crushing it in every element of life. And this product started out being amazing. My sales at first were incredible. I would spend nights with my fiance upstairs in our office, boxing and shipping all of these products across the country. And it was exciting. And we have this talk show, which is Trifecta Protection, Real People, Real Stories, where women get on and share their stories about predators, stalkers, close call encounters, which is a huge platform. And the message behind it of, empowering women and staying safe and all of that, I wholeheartedly believe in. But my sales have not been as to what I've projected. So things aren't always easy. And I've had to take a step back and look at the amount of money I've put into this, where I'm at and where I'm going. And it's not easy. You have to reevaluate everything. You have to reevaluate why aren't things selling? This was my first product that I've ever made. And full disclosure, the person who is the company who is making it is a 
16-year-old boy <laughs> who is able to do all of this himself, which is incredible at this age. But things are going to need to change in order to grow bigger and be better in this avenue. And it hit me hard to know that my first try isn't going to be it, but we're going to come back bigger and better. And this just goes to show people that it's not as cookie cutter as people might think it is. Yeah, I want to dig into just a few of the hurdles that you've run into, because I also myself have had and have a physical product business. And man, there's just so much stuff you don't know. Like, I know I mentioned to you, Brooke, when you first started shipping stuff out, I'm like, you are going to absolutely hate shipping in one month. And you're like, oh, no, I'll be fine. <laughs> that was one thing I absolutely loathed shipping discs. Like, it was the worst thing ever. And there was just so many things like that. I'm curious in your experience so far, maybe what you would have done different. What are some of the lessons you've learned? Or are you going to do a physical product again in the future or maybe just stick strictly to digital? So... <laughs> There are many obstacles when it came to doing this. So my, the person who was constructing the product itself, he was using 3D printers. And we were actually installing all of the pieces inside the products together with a super glue. And that in itself was extremely time consuming. Like to make one product itself could potentially take 15 minutes. And that is time that you do not get back. <laughs> so that itself was difficult. Shipping was very difficult. Cody was telling me all about how he has like UPS come pick it up at his door. And like, I was doing it all by myself <laughs> with my fiance self. We would literally sit on the floor with packing tape. We would print out shipping labels, go to UPS and pay for it. It's just, it's tiring. And the return hasn't been what it needs to be for how much I've put into it. So at the moment, we're at a standstill to rethink how and even if we're going to continue pushing this because time is valuable, money is valuable, and it's not as profitable as I thought it was going to be. So moving forward, no, I do not think I'm going to be making any other physical products. I'm in the people business. So right now, my brother and future brother-in-law, we're working on another project that's going to be coming out. It's not a physical product. It's more of an entertainment section. So there are already other things in the works. And, you know, when, when one thing fails, there are going to be 10 other things right around the corner. You just mentioned like you're in the people business. And it sounds like that although you maybe had a little bit of a setback with this one, you've had a lot of success in other places. You've got another thing that you're excited about. But you don't come from like a traditional background of where you, you know, you went to some really in-depth business school to teach you how to do all these things. And so, honestly, I feel like most people would rather learn from someone like you than maybe a traditional educational source. Is that something you've ever thought about, like consulting with other people to help them figure out their businesses and get them off the ground? Yeah, I would love, love, love to help grow small businesses and just take everything that I know and give to them. And this is kind of funny, Cody, but Cody sent me something not too long ago, or we might've been out having a drink with, <laughs> with everybody, but he said, what are your thoughts on making a course? Making a course on business, making a course on being a realtor or being a cleaning business owner, but maybe not focusing it so much on the type of business it is itself, but just steps on how to grow. And I thought, how cool would that be to put together a course once, one time, and then have people continuously buy this course? And that's something I've been nonstop thinking about because we've gone through so many obstacles and 
some have been successful and some haven't, but people would pay for that. So it's definitely something that I'm thinking about moving forward. Woohoo. Win for Cody. <laughs> Win for Cody and Cody gets 15%. <laughs> <laughs> 150 points for Gryffindor. So Brooke, I want to make you, I don't know if you can read that from sitting down. I might make you get up because I am very curious. You can maybe pick one or two. I see behind you, you have 2021 goals and you have three sheets of paper. What's kind of the layout? Are they all about different things? Is one fitness, one's business, one's family? Or like, what, what's the, kind of the structure of what's going on there? I sound like an awful person. I wish it was family. <laughs> My, those goals on the wall are all business related. Each of these pieces of paper, my first one is investments. And I invest heavily in cryptocurrency. And each month I started in January, I always start at the beginning of each year. I looked at how much I put in and I keep track throughout the year. So I have a goal to make X amount of money in cryptocurrency by the end of the year, which I have to say I've already surpassed and it's only July. So the first one is investing in crypto. And it's so riveting to track your progress because it's like, whoa, in the beginning of 2021, I wanted to hit X and we're not even six months in and I'm already surpassing that. So the first one is crypto investing. My second one is my cleaning business revenue. So each month we, it's so important to track where your money is going. So each month at the end of the month, I sit down, look at all of the money that came in, look at all of the money that went out. We are on track to hit the number that I wanted to hit at the end of this year. And last month we brought in the most money that we've ever made. So it's super exciting to see that continuously climbing. And real estate is the last, is the last one. And at the beginning of 2021, my goal was to sell 10 houses. <laughs> and I've already surpassed that this year and I've already sold 13 and it's July. So writing out your goals, saying them out loud is so beneficial. And I use social media as to help portray that. And people might say you post too much, but no, it helps me internally and externally as well. Posting, publishing, what I'm doing, you know, that helps gain other people who are looking to do similar things. That helps networking. And it's important to say your goals out loud, write them out, follow them, keep track of each step and just to see where you're going. And it's mind blowing to see how much further you can go in a year than what you thought you were going to hit. That's that's pretty incredible. I mean, especially like you say, when you can sit back and look at what you've done, because sometimes uh, I think as humans, we have this like recency bias or whatever. We're so focused in on what just happened. And sometimes we don't zoom out enough and, and really see the progress we made. You know, we've only talked about kind of business, maybe a future stuff we're thinking about family, but like, does those businesses just give you enough happiness to where that's all you focus on, as you mentioned, your whole day is blocked out. Or does does Brooke have hobbies? Does she have things that she's interested in outside of things that just make money? Yes, I do have hobbies. Um, I do have a life, a little bit of a life. I mentioned earlier, my fiance, he's my world. We do everything together. We have a dog. She's my world. People think it's crazy how much I love my, we love our dog, um, but she's literally our dog tur. Get it? We, we even named our real estate business after her. She is our world. But I enjoy travel. We just got back from Antigua, which was awesome. We like going to new places. We like going out and having fun at breweries and wineries and just sitting back, relaxing and enjoying life. 
I enjoy working out. I enjoy fitness. That's a major part. I also enjoy meditation, which sounds crazy, but just sitting back, doing nothing, and thinking about nothing it has been huge, I think, personally, for growth. Meditating has been big, but those are kind of me. That's me. It's a solid list. <laughs> yeah. Do you have like a wind down strategy at the end of the day? Because sometimes I've definitely caught myself in, oh my God, it's 11 o'clock at night and I'm still on my computer. I mean, some days it's not like that every day, but I know you're just as hardcore about business making money as I am, Brooke. Do you have kind of like, do you meditate at night? Is there some kind of routine where you put your phone away an hour before bed? Anything like that, that you kind of use to wind down? I do try to put my phone down at least 30 minutes before I go to bed. I read every single night, depends how I'm feeling, uh, but I do try to read every single night and sometimes not just business books. I do read a lot of business books. Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I've read about 10 times. Big Ryan Sirhart fan, I just finished Big Money Energy, but I try to read for enjoyment as well. Try to get my face away from my cell phone, away from my laptop. But I do play meditation music every single night before I fall asleep. And it just helps me reset, get ready for the next day ahead. Well, Brooke, we've covered so much content. You always have something going on. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who are going to want to look into your story more as well as keep up with what's coming in the future because we know there's going to be a ton more coming in the future. So where's the best place for the audience to keep up with you? That would be on Instagram. My Instagram handle is at... Brooke, B-R-O-O-K-E, Packard, P-A-C-K-A-R-D. I love to connect. I love to follow. So let's network. And also for those of you in Massachusetts, Connecticut, and who knows what states in the future, Brooke, if you need a realtor, hit her up 100%. I'm sure she would be more than happy to buy, not buy or sell your home, to help you buy or sell your home. (laughs) Brooke, just thank you so much for coming on. I know it's been a long time coming. We've known each other for Oh, gosh, 15, 16 years at this point. Although it's been off and on. We definitely rekindled our friendship over the last couple of years. But awesome to have you as a friend. Awesome to have you on the podcast. And thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. This was more than I expected. And as always, if you want to check out our Facebook group page, you can do so at thefyshow.com slash community. And we always appreciate those five-star reviews. They help us get great guests like we had today. And if you're interested in supporting The Fi Show, you can do so by checking out some of our partners over at the resources page, which can be found at thefyshow.com slash resources. And thanks for listening.